They're here, everyone. They are the smart kids at the shops with their mothers or fathers, riding their bikes around the streets and playing down by the river, as well as talking to their friends on their smartphones. Join the smart kids each week as they discover, explore, and solve the mysteries of today. Here's your host, J.T. Crowley. Morning. It's a bit of a great day here in Derby, where I come from, as you all know by now, in the United Kingdom. Last podcast, I took you to Denmark, Greenland, and the character was with her friends Tipu and Kulatak. And of course, that story, the main character was Gida, and then the sub-characters was Tipu and Kulatak. And it started in Greenland, and as the story progressed, it ended in Copenhagen. Now, you don't know it ends there quite yet, because... I only gave you a certain insight to the story. So the bit that you've seen on that last podcast is when they the flight on Air Greenland from Nuke to Copenhagen. The rest of the story, you don't know yet what happened to her. And that is all part of the intrigue um, of when you write stories. Sometimes you leave the reader in suspense. So that they can't wait to get the next book, read the next chapter, um, and, and to, to see what's happening with the story, the plot, the characters, what's, you know, where they're going, you know, what's, um, what's happening. That's just human life. We're all, you know, we are very curious. You know, the human being is a curious person. Well, last week I said I would take you to Sweden this week because this is the, the last in the series of the Nordic kids. Why? Well, there are only five Nordic countries in the Nordics area. Iceland, Norway, Finland, Denmark and Sweden. So we've been to Iceland. I've taken you to Norway. I've taken you to Finland. I took you to Denmark last week. So here we are with my Swedish character, Blix. Now, Blix comes from Lodekopinje, a small town just north of Malmo in Sweden's southern municipality. It's a story of deception and mistrust and suspicion. She is a character that's kind of following in her father's footsteps. Her father is an anchorman for a TV company. Um, and he's, his past has been um, investigative journalism. And he's been all around the world um, reporting about what's happened from different parts of the world. And some of the places he's been to haven't been particularly welcoming. Some of the people he's met um, don't exactly welcome him because to unearth the story, he's had to ruffle a lot of feathers and he's created some enemies. And he's disappeared. And this Blake's now trying to find out what has happened to her father with her friends, Ula and Vigo. So in this story, Blix is the main character. Ula, a girl, and Vigo, a boy, they are the sub-characters. Now all three characters are age 12. The story is set in 
a small town north of Malmo. And that town is called Lodakopinje. I hope I've got it right, this the pronunciation. If I haven't, I do apologise to uh, any Swedish people who are watching the podcast. And the plot itself, as I said, is all about finding out what happened to her father who has disappeared. So, what I'm going to do, as I do every week, I'm going to read you a short insight into the story itself. There it goes. Blix finished her breakfast. Her two older sisters, along with her mother, had already left for the family-run cafe to prepare for this weekend's rock festival that promised to be busy. The organisers to this annual summer event were expecting 20,000 festival goers. The stage was up, and the fields around Lodekopinje, a small town just north of Malmo in Sweden's southern municipality, were beginning to fill up with party revellers. Rock bands from across Sweden had been booked in. The weather looked promising for the two-day mid-summer event. All that Blix associated with this annual shindig was the noise and disruption it brought to hometown. But most people looked forward to it as it generated a lot of income for the local businesses. Blix wasn't into so-called rock music like her older sisters. Her forte, or passion, if you want to call it that, was journalism, investigative journalism, to be precise. Blix had inherited her father's inquisitive tendencies, much to her mother's dismay. Her desire to root around, on earth and expose the truth, as well as seeing the world, stemmed from her father, who had worked as an investigative journalist for several papers and TV network companies in the past before becoming the main anchorman for one of Sweden's daily TV news channels. It was a job that took him across the globe to far-flung places, a job that very often put him in precarious and unsafe environments, a job involving contact with corrupt, villainous and sometimes unsavoury persons. Blix knew, even at the tender age of 12, that she wanted to follow in her father's footsteps. Some of the kids at the school thought she was weird, but not her friends Ulla and Vigo. They understood her and actively encouraged her to follow her instincts by entering for various reporting competitions. Winning Young Reporter of the Year 2018 for one of Malmo's local papers for covering a story of the disappearance of thoroughbred horses from the surrounding stud farms. The tales her father told her about his numerous exploits from around the world always fascinated Blix. She understood that it was those very exploits that brought him fame and notoriety. But she equally recognised that some of those trips carried a real risk of reprisal for what 
and who they exposed. Her father was always, metaphorically speaking, looking over his shoulder to see who, if anybody, was on his tail. Nevertheless, she'd already made her mind up to follow in his footsteps into the reporting world. The disappearance of her father several weeks ago had left the family shaken. The Swedish police had advised them to carry on as normal. Whatever normal entailed. Something Blix often thought about. For surely one person's normality was different to another's. So what was the so-called norm? The TV network company for whom her father worked for had chosen under advice of the Swedish authorities to keep her father's disappearance quiet until all concerned could figure out who was behind her father's disappearance or should they really be saying kidnapping. Flix was becoming increasingly mistrusting of those carrying out the investigation, suspecting a cover-up plan has been hatched. Was somebody somewhere high up trying to conceal a botched security breach? The more she thought about it, that the more she convinced herself that that was the case. But how would she go about tackling her father's so-called disappearance or kidnapping? No ransom note had been received and nobody or an organisation had come forward to say they were behind the matter. The whole issue was confusing. She needed to go for a walk to sort her head out. With the breakfast dishes loaded into the dishwasher and the kitchen tidied up, Blix headed for the shed at the bottom of the garden. It was a beautiful summer's morning. Blix had chosen to wear her pink tailored dress with a matching sparkly bow in her short blonde curly hair. Cream and pink striped ankle socks and pink and red trainers with sewn on imitation glass baubles made to look like diamonds. There was no school today, as it was an inset day, so she was free to head off across the fields to the nearby coastal cliffs and fly Acanthus, her pet sparrow hawk, who she had named after the Greek mythological goddess of birds. Blix's interest in falconry mystified her family, so when she asked for a bird of prey for her last birthday present, her parents decided to go and get her a bird. But they chose a sparrowhawk, one of the smallest birds. Her grandparents on her mother's side bought her all the other items she would need, especially a well-padded glove. Her father's parents thought it was totally inappropriate for a girl of her age to own such a magnificent raptor. For they believed birds of that nature should be free to fly the skies. 
breaks open the shed door and walked across to the large aviary she and her father had built for Acanthus. Reaching in, she gently lifted Acanthus off her perch and before putting her in the portable cage, she put her hood on so as to keep her calm. Flix, or rather her father, had a license to own Acanthus and regularly went to training classes in order to comply with regulations, as well as learning from experienced falconers how to handle a bird of such beauty. Bula and Vigo had received Blix's earlier text message and made their own individual ways to the cliffs. The message they received didn't actually stipulate a reason for meeting up, merely implying she needed to talk to them about something that needed urgent attention. Blix could see her friends in the distance as she neared the coastal cliffs. Walking along the narrow coastal path, which at times came perilously close to the cliff edge, she caught up with Ula and Bigger, who had sat down on the bench they normally met up at and Blix wanted to fly a canvas. Blix broke her silence on her father's disappearance, despite being told by all the authorities connected to her father's case to say nothing for the time being, until they find out who was behind the saga and what were their demands, if any. For without knowing whom they were dealing with, they couldn't implement an appropriate response. One wrong foot could jeopardise an entire rescue mission. Acanthus, released from her shackles, took to the skies. Blix cleaned her glasses before turning to Ulla and Vigo, who were sitting beside her on the clifftop bench. The bench, all three of them referred to as their thinking bench. Whether they came as a threesome or individually, to figure out things, what was going on in their lives, and the way forward. Both Ulla and Vigo's jaws dropped as they took in what Blinks had just told them. Blinks went on to tell them about her misgivings of the authorities of Bald, and how her mother and older sisters didn't go along with her feelings or mistrust, telling her to toe the line and act normally as if her father was away again working on another overseas story. Ulla sat up. Hmm. Do you think your father's disappearance is connected in any way to a previous story he reported on? Blitz looked Ulla straight in the eye. Unlike her own blue eyes, Ulla had brown eyes. I'm coming to think of it. Vigo had olive green eyes. Strange how all three of them had different eye colorations. But coming back to Ulla's question, she considered that. But her father had covered and reported on many stories over the years, so isolating one story would be a painstaking and time-consuming task. And the one thing that wasn't on their side at this precise moment was time. I don't know, Ola. My father covered, reported on lots of different stories. 
I know he often told me the tales of his expeditions, but not all of them, for some he said were too dangerous for me to know about. Ego then forward. Hmm. Can you recall him working on any one particular storyline for a considerable length of time and him having to go back repeatedly to get to the bottom of the issue? None that I can recall, Vigo. Your mother works for police intelligence in Stockholm. Do you know if she's working on my father's case? Has she mentioned anything? No, uttered Vigo. Even if she was involved with your father's case, she wouldn't say anything. She never discusses her work with any of us. Not even our father. She's not allowed to. I thought that, but I thought I'd ask Vigo. No harm in ask you, continued Vigo. Do you know if your father really ruffled someone's feathers so much so that they threatened him? Blix smiled. You mean silence him. But is every investigator's journalist's job to ruffle feathers to get at the truth, Vigo? Do you know if he's been threatened recently? Not that I know of, Ulla. But there again, he's unlikely to share that with me, a 12-year-old girl, is he? Probably not, but it was worth a shot, replied Ulla. The canthus continued to duck dive and swoop, and on the odd occasion brushing her end wing feathers against the side of her head as she flew past, as if drawing attention to herself, a fly-past game she clearly enjoyed. Blix put her glove back on and held it out with a piece of meat on, indicating to Acanthus her flying exercise was over and they were going home. Blix put Acanthus back into her so-called travel cage. As she did so, something about the story of the cheap-box schoolgirls, for some unknown reason, came to the forefront of her mind. What was that story about? She couldn't quite remember. Walking back across the field with Ula and Vigo, the cheap-box story kept infiltrating her mind. What was it about that story that was all of a sudden haunting her head? When she got home, she looked up chickbox schoolgirls on the internet. Blix waved her friends off as she neared her house. It was good to tell them about her father, although she shouldn't have done. Equally, it was good to hear their views, even though they didn't solve a problem. But they gave her something to think about, which was a start, and for that... She was grateful to them. No one was at home. Blix quickly logged on to the internet and typed in the words chick box schoolgirls. As soon as she started to read about the case of the Nigerian schoolgirls abducted by Boko Haram, an Islamic terrorist organization, the blood in her veins chilled. She remembered her father going back and forth to Nigeria, reporting to the Swedish networks what was going on there. Did he go undercover? Infiltrate the group and ruffle feathers to the point someone now wants to silence him, as Vigo had hinted at? Hmm. Whoever they are, 
Are they behind her father's abduction? Or was that a false child and someone else had an axe to grind with her father? Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of um, insight to the story, a tease to the story. Um, and again, you know, at the end, I've left you all hanging in the hope that you, when the book does come out, you'll be so eager to find out, like, what happened to Blix, what happened to her father, did she find him? And when all the other stories did, um, you know, Gida find her father, her parents, um, all the other, you know, did um, Alderwald discover whose bones were in the caves there? How you see, I've left you all on a cliffhanger. So hopefully that when, the, as I said, when the book comes out, you'll be so eager to buy it. That is all part of the trick. All part of getting the readers to turn the pages and looking forward to your next book. That's all there is, kids, to writing a book. is getting people's interest, getting it out there, getting them to turn the pages and eagerly waiting for your next book. You see what you think, how? Huh? It's not that straightforward, believe you me. Well, that was the last story in the Nordic Kids series. So what am I going to do next week? Hmm. Well, that's going to be a little bit of a surprise. I'm not quite too sure yet. So I might be talking to some authors about how they write their books. Or I might choose to um, read some old extracts from some books that I read as a child. Books that I loved. Who knows? You have to wait and see. But for now, as I say, usual, as usual, thank you for listening. Stay safe. Bye-bye. See you next week. Who knows where? Thanks for listening to The Smart Kids. Want to follow more of their adventures? Check out The Smart Kids by J.T. Crowley on Amazon.com now.